Hello, and welcome to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities. I'm your host, Sean Creighton. In my current role as NACU president, I have the honor of working with an amazing group of independent colleges and universities. I'm a huge admirer of their approach to teaching and learning. They provide an integrated, liberal, professional, and civic education. As a result, the NACU campuses graduate extraordinary professionals for a global workforce and society. Also, their campuses are beautiful. About our podcast, we will focus on topics related to higher education. We will bring in guests that wrestle with current and future challenges. They'll include college presidents, provosts, professors, researchers, authors, disruptors, reporters, strategists, and maybe even a futurist or two. They'll help us expand our window into the world of higher ed. Thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. On today's episode, we will speak with Don Bravman, who is completing his 15th and final year as the president of Nazareth College in Rochester, New York. President Bravman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sean. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. I thought we'd begin by having you just tell us a little bit about Nazareth and also, you know, what you love about the college. The college, it's interesting that when I I was nominated for this job, you know, over 15 years ago, and I grew up in Rochester, even though I wasn't living there at the time when, when I was nominated. And I knew Nazareth College as a Catholic women's school. And since I'm neither, I thought, well, why would I be nominated for president of the school? And and I did some research, and I found out it was no longer religiously affiliated, and it was no longer all women. Uh, but it did start as a Catholic women's school in 1924. And what attracted me to the place, actually, it, I was very reluctant to even interview for the position, the School, since its inception, has really had a social justice mission, Mm. and that appealed to me. I'm a lawyer by training. My my background is public interest law. I did civil rights work before I taught at Syracuse Law School, and even there I was active in civil rights work. So the, the social justice component is what attracted me to the school, and what I learned once I got here is that the school really walks the talk. Mm-hmm. So if you ask me what I love about the school, it's truly a new American college. I mean, we have a very strong liberal arts program. We require all of our students to take the core liberal arts uh, program. And then we integrate that with professional programs in health and human services, in the arts, in education, in management. Um, and we have a, a real commitment to community engagement. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the three pillars of liberal arts, professional training, and commitment to the community. Well, you know, 15 years as president is quite an accomplishment. Uh, I, I believe the data suggests that the average tenure for a college president is 6.5 years. You've more than doubled that and can tell in your voice and what you're saying how much you care about the institution Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on what you would say have been you know, sort of your keys to success and uh, you know why you've lasted so long in such a very demanding role. Well, 
My wife has the explanation for why I, I lasted so long. She said I'm a slow learner, so <laughs> it took me a lot longer, she said, to learn the position. Um, and she's probably right. Um, I, You know, it's interesting. There, there are two things that really have kept me engaged at the college for this number of years and excited about the work. One is obviously the work itself. I mean, I really am, feel passionate about our mission and our vision and our values. I love, I love the fact that our students, many of our students, are students for whom a college education really it makes a difference, not only for themselves, but I always say that a college education has a ripple effect across generations. It, you know, if you get a college degree, the chances that your children will be able to go to school and get a college degree increase significantly. So we have a lot of students who are still first generation to go to school. We have a lot of Pell students. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are students for whom the education makes a huge difference. And the other thing that, quite honestly, that's kept me here for so long are the people. Mm-hmm. I love the people I work with. I really do. I've had, I've been so fortunate to have as good a group of VPs as you can imagine um, the people in my office are people I'm going to miss dearly. And I've had a very supportive board. I hear a lot of horror stories from colleagues about their boards. And I think to myself, wow, I'm lucky. I have a board that understands and the right balance between being helpful, but letting the senior leadership lead the college. So it's a combination of the work and the people. That's actually a good segue. I kind of want to go in both directions, but let me start first uh, with the board. I, uh, I'm going to read a quote here from your board chair, Sergio Esteban, and he said this, um, this, this was released in a statement uh, when it was announced that you'd be retiring in a year, and he said, the successes Nazareth College has reached over the last 15 years are a direct correlation of the leadership style and qualities of Don Bravman. Don has an innate ability in developing a vision and focusing on its execution by humbly seeking ideas and achieving support from his senior team and the entire Nazareth community. He specifically referenced your leadership style and also this element of engaging the entire community. Could you elaborate a little bit on your leadership style? Sure. You know, I, I attribute this to a person who, who was my mentor, um, and that was when, when I was, before this, I was at Syracuse Law School, and I was the dean there, and the chancellor at the time was a guy named Ken Shaw, and he he actually wrote a book about leadership, and, and, uh, and it struck me as exactly the right description of what we do. So he, he talks about leadership in three levels. One the leader helps set the vision for the institution. Second, the leader becomes the cheerleader for that vision. Mm. So advocates the vision with every constituency possible. But the third piece, which in my mind is the most important piece, is the role of the leader is to enable others to maximize their contribution to the vision. And again, I, I use my wife's description of this, she, she calls me the enabler. My role isn't to do it. My role is to ensure and enable and help everybody else in the institution maximize their contribution towards the vision. Mm. 
I'll use an example. I used to do a lot of running. I was a, you know, and I raced, did a lot of racing. And one of the things I learned from racing is a lot of times the person setting the pace is not necessarily the person in the lead. It's the person right behind who's pushing that leader. I'll give you a good example. Actually, mm-hmm. I've got a, a thousand examples, but I'll just give you one. Many years ago, uh, we have a big art program, dance program, theater, and we were redoing our facility. And there was a major donor who who gave me a significant seven-figure gift and then got two others to match it. Uh, And he sort of took over the project. It was really, it became his project. Mm. And to this day, if you ask him about this, what we did, it was the fact that he did it. Now, he gave more than money and he gave his advice and he was heavily involved. But, you know, I helped set the vision for the mm-hmm. project, which, which was to turn us into the major dance center for this community. Um, but he took it and ran with it. And, you know, I stepped back and let him do that. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, uh, you know, good leadership is about. It's enabling others to, to contribute. Yeah, well, you know, I've had a chance to visit your campus, to work closely with you, members of your senior team, faculty and staff at NAS. And, you know, I echo sort of what you're saying about the people. Just in my short time uh, over the last year working closely with your campus, they're so welcoming and friendly. They're very collaborative. Um, They're good-humored and very professional. And, like, they just lean in um, no matter what conversation uh, we're facilitating the NAS community just leans in and participates 100%. And, you know, has this always been a part of the DNA of, of the institution, this culture, or is it something that you nurtured and developed as president over the last 15 years? You know, I, I think I was fortunate to inherit a culture that was exactly as you described, but but it takes nurturing. You know, the culture needs to be... Um, you know, watered and built on. And, and, you know, and I've been very deliberate about that, making sure that people feel and are, in fact, involved in attaining what, whatever vision. And I probably should say visions because there's the overall vision, but then there are different projects that we have, of, you know, over the 15 years. Mm-hmm. We've had many major projects. You know, each one involved a vision, each one was successful only because we were able to get so many people in the ca- on the campus community to not only buy into the, the vision, but actually contribute to the vision. Well, I imagine, you know, being in your final year is always a little bittersweet, but you chose to retire in a year in which COVID-19 suddenly changed everything. How did this affect you in your final year and the, and the work you've had to do? in some sense, compared to the previous 14 years. But really, you know, how was this a a different final year than maybe you anticipated? Yeah, this is certainly not the final semester (laughs) I either anticipated or hoped for. Mm -hmm. Um, As you can imagine, we've been working nonstop since the middle of March, um, not only first closing the college, but then now I'm planning reopening. You know, it's been a great deal of work. I mean, literally every day we're spending, we have committees working on this reopening. Um, I've been working with the other colleges in the region on the reopening, and, and we've been sharing a lot of information. The good news is it, it's 
for me personally is it's kept me from having to dwell on the the sad part of leaving um, mm-hmm. because I haven't had too much time to dwell on that. Although now as time gets closer, um, that's starting to emerge. But it's interesting. I, I always see the glass half full and. What has emerged from this has been another example of how our college community has come together. Mm-hmm. Um, in March, we literally closed the place in, in 10 days. We had a week and two weekends to move 1,200 students off campus, move all the programs to uh, online, and move all the faculty and staff to remote sites. And there wasn't a single complaint, not a single complaint that I heard. Mm-hmm. People just got together and did what they had to do. And I'm seeing that even now as we're planning the reopening phase. The community is coming together. And it's not just our community, but we have, in, in the Rochester region, we have 18 colleges and universities. About nine of them are independent. The other nine are state or SUNY programs. And I've organized the independent schools. The presidents uh, get together once a week, and we're sharing planning. We're sharing all kinds of information in a way that we never did before, Mm -hmm. literally never did before. Uh, And I think this has not only been good for the response to the reopening, but I think it's going to play out into the future in other areas as well. I think the the group has now come together in a way that will benefit um, all the schools in the future. Well, when you think about the last 15 years and all of your successes and, and also the challenges that you've had to wrestle with, you know, what wisdom would you part to the next generation of college presidents? I'll tell you a funny story while I'm thinking of it. Uh, when I was uh, first started, I went to one of these new president training sessions, and I was looking for all kinds of wisdom. And one of the current presidents who was offering wisdom, his advice was wear knee socks because you don't want to be sitting on the stage and cross your legs and have critical gap. And I, I almost walked out. After, if that's the wisdom that's being imparted, I thought, um, well, I'm, not, I'm in the wrong place. I guess the bit of advice, I would say two things. One is, and I always talk to people in leadership positions about this, take your work very seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that too often leaders think they're the king or queen and take themselves way too seriously. I am very serious about my work. I work extraordinarily hard. I love what I do. But I can joke about myself. If I make a mistake, I'm willing to admit it um, and correct it. I engage in a lot of reflection. So I guess my bit of advice would be to do that. Take your work seriously, but don't take yourself Mm -hmm. too seriously. The other thing that I, I, as I think about it, is you look to the future in higher education, and I think COVID is really going to accelerate this. There will be more and more need and opportunity for schools to partner. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be some schools that close. We've read about that. And there'll be you know, some schools that will have to affiliate with each other. But I, I think schools need to partner with other institutions in their region. We've almost forgotten about the fact that before COVID, we were all talking, at least in the Northeast, about the demographic cliff. Mm-hmm. 
um, that there will be a big drop in the college age population. That will continue. I mean, that's still there. And so I think schools need to really work together in a variety of ways. Well, I'm excited about that because, as you know, NACU works with uh, over 20 institutions around the country, and we are absolutely focused on finding new innovative ways to collaborate. So, One of the reasons that the NAC News, my favorite organization that I belong to, is because when the college presidents get together, which we do regularly, we talk about real issues and we share information candidly. Mm-hmm. Too often when presidents get together with other presidents, it t- turns into a bragging contest. And what I have found with NAC and you is we're very candid and we help each other mm-hmm. in, in important ways. And I, I find that to be actually unique among the organizations I belong to. Well, President Brovman, we certainly wish you much, much success in your post-retirement and, and what comes next. Uh, it's been an honor talking to you today. And thanks for being our guest on the podcast. Well, Sean, thank you. And I, I really wish the best, very, very best for you and NACNU. It's a wonderful organization. Thanks for being here for Connect, Collaborate, Champion, a podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities. This podcast is made possible thanks to our partner, public radio station 91.3 WYSO in Yale Springs, Ohio. Thank you, YSO. The New American Colleges and Universities connects our campuses to collaborate in the delivery of innovative ideas and to champion the belief that a comprehensive, liberal, professional, and civic education is essential to the future of our world. To learn more about our amazing campuses, visit nacu.edu, N-A-C-U dot E-D-U. See you soon.